What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is... Speaking of Murders. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Murders, and welcome to the new listeners. Uh, Before we get started on today's episode, a little bit of business. We have another show. Check it out, Speaking of Missing Persons. If you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, speakingofmurders at gmail.com. And if you want to see photos of today's episode or from today's episode, you can find those on our socials linked in the show notes and the episode notes. And if you want to support the show, there's two ways you can do that. Tell someone. Tell someone about the show. Share an episode. That that helps us out more than anything. Or if you want to go a step further, we do have a Patreon. And uh, that's also linked in the episode and show notes. You get bonus episodes every other week. And you get a shout out on the show. So all of that stuff said, Sarah's going to be telling our story today. Sarah, what are we talking about? Is it a multiple murder, mass murder, a single murder? A murder that we don't know who did it. It's a single murder. Okay. Today we're going to talk about a guy named Ronald Clark O'Brien. Ronnie. And he was dubbed the Candyman. Oh boy. Sam, you ready for this one? one? (laughs) I'm so excited. So thrilled. I can tell. So excited to hear that more than one time. Wait, you don't got a mirror directly in this room. And you're not going to hear it more than one time. That was probably it. Okay. For those out there listening, Sam hates Candyman. (laughs) And there's number two. (laughs) Yeah, but the same person didn't say it. It's like Beetlejuice. Well, Beetlejuice? Or Beetlejuice. Who doesn't like Beetlejuice? He's hilarious. I I like Beetlejuice. I said it three times, and yet he's not here. Okay. In 1974, the O'Brien family consisted of 30-year-old Ronald, his wife, Danae, I think is how you say her name. And they had an eight-year-old son named Timothy and a five-year-old daughter named Elizabeth. Okay? All right. They lived in a middle-class suburb of Houston, Texas called Deer Park. Deer Park. All right. And keeping with the theme, it was Halloween and the weather was chilly and raining. Perfect weather. Not for Halloween. Like, you don't want it to be raining. When no. you go trick-or-treating. Rainy and chilly, perfect weather. No, thank you. Not just Halloween, just like every day. Yeah, you want to be wet and cold, always. Gross. No, that's perfect sweatshirt weather. It's gross. I mean, yeah, you still wet and Seattle at this point. Go to Seattle. It's always wet and cold. I know. Gross. Okay, Ronald decided to take his two children trick-or-treating, even though it was raining, with a friend... And a neighbor, so, like, it was their, I think, across-the-street neighbor, but they were friends with each other. His name was Jim Bates, and he brought along his two children also. 
Because of the rain, the two men only took their kids to a couple streets before they came back home. Okay. Understandable. Right. While trick-or-treating, they came to a house where the owner did not answer the door. The kids, being kids, were impatient and like, why are we still standing here knocking on this door when nobody's answering? So they went to the next house with Jim, but Ronald stayed behind. Kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. When he caught back up with everyone else, he had five giant pixie sticks. He claimed that someone finally answered the door and gave him the expensive candy. Yeah, he just kept banging on the door. I said trick or treat, motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. He did not give them to the kids, though, until they got back home. So he had five. He gave one to each of his kids, one to each of the neighbor kids or Jim's kids. And then he had the fifth one he gave to a 10-year-old boy that was like going by trigger treating okay so just a random by kid. his house okay well he they knew the kid from church so like most kids on halloween timothy wanted to eat some of his candy yeah according to ronald he wanted the pixie stick okay ronald helped him open it and loosen the powder so he could eat it after Timothy tasted the powder, he complained that it was bitter. So Ronald went and got him some Kool-Aid to wash away the taste. Okay. Well, Timothy immediately be- began complaining that his stomach hurt. He ran to the bathroom where he began vomiting and shortly after started to have convulsions. Ronald would tell police that he held Timothy while he vomited and then his son went limp in his arms. This is when Ronald would try to rush him to the hospital, but Timothy would die on the way there. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. All of this happened within an hour of him eating the pixie stick. The medical examiner could smell the scent of burnt almonds coming from Timothy's mouth when he was examining the boy's body. So they did an autopsy, which confirmed what he thought. Timothy had enough potassium cyanide in his body to kill two grown men. Holy shit. Police rushed to retrieve the other pixie sticks from the other four kids. So, okay, so that smells like burnt almonds? Yeah. Interesting. What does a burnt almond smell like? <laughs> kind of like a regular almond. I'm going to have to burn some overcooked. almonds just so that smell is familiar. Yeah. I've burnt walnuts <laughs> on accident. <laughs> That's what you call paranoia. What? What did I miss? Let me sniff all your candy, kids. <laughs> First, let me do some experiments and make sure I, I got the smell in my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea. Hey, I got a nose like a bloodhound, okay? I can smell that shit. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, none of the other kids had eaten any of the poison candy because all four of the other pixie sticks also had enough cyanide combined to kill three to four adults. So it was pretty much just cyanide inside these pixie sticks with a little bit of candy. That's fucking insane. Potassium cyanide is a colorless crystalline salt similar in appearance to sugar, and it is highly soluble in water. I know I didn't say that word Soluble. Right. My mouth won't form It dissolves that way. in water very quickly and easily. 
it is highly toxic and smells like bitter almonds or burnt almonds. But not everyone can smell it. The ability to do so is a genetic trait. Hmm. So now you really got to test it out. See if you have the genetic ability to smell burnt almonds. Well, now I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> it has a pungent, sharp, and bitter taste. And symptoms of poisoning typically, typically occur within a few minutes after ingesting the substance. The person loses consciousness and brain death follows. During this period of time, the victim may suffer from convulsions and death is caused by cerebral hypoxia, which is no oxygen to your brain. Like, it shuts off oxygen flow. At first, when questioned, Ronald said he did not remember which house the candy had come from. This bothered police because he and the neighbor had only taken their kids down two streets because of the rain. So to to them, they're like, "There's no way you there's no way, the house. yeah." Especially with giant pixie sticks, like you're gonna. It's like when we were kids, we always knew the exact house that gave out the canned soda, because that was like right rare. Yeah, it was the canned sodas and the little bags of uh, chips and yeah. a Rice Krispie treat, and she yeah. let you hang out on her carport. Yeah, and get warm. take a break and hang out by the space heater before you go back out there. Yeah. And we knew exactly what house that was. Actually, I was pretty young and I remember that house. <laughs> Just like we remembered the house that gave us dollar bills. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was badass. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're a kid. Swapping out costumes. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah. Second and third time. <laughs> to them, like I said, they were like, if... If this was the only house he, like, got candy without his children next to him, he should have remembered which one it was. Right. The fact that he waited there for a few minutes on his own. Right. You should know what house you did that at. Ronald walked the neighborhood with police three times before he pointed out the house that gave him the candy. Ronald's story was that after the neighbor and the children went ahead of him, someone opened the door a crack and handed him the pixie sticks. He said they did not turn on any lights and all he saw was a man's arm, which he described as being hairy. Mm, shocking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a hairy man's arm. Yeah. Anybody. It wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> he was just like, Shit be weird. If someone was acting that suspicious, I'd be like, man, just keep it. <laughs> right? Right. This is like a stranger danger white man situation. Like, no thanks. Yeah, pretty much. If somebody was like, I'm not going to open the door at all, but here's some candy <laughs> through a crack, I'd be like, mm, you can go ahead and keep that candy, thanks. When police looked into this story... They found out that the house belonged to a man named Courtney Melvin. He was an air traffic controller at William P. Hobby Airport. On Halloween night, Courtney had been at work until 11 p.m. And police found 200 people that confirmed this. He was immediately cleared as a suspect. <laughs> was he at work today? Yep. 
do they ask everybody in the building? Pretty much. <laughs> Was you see this to... man last night? Sure did. <laughs> like, okay. After like 10, you should be like, all right. He's probably That's here. enough. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to make sure. Police focused in on Ronald as their main suspect after they cleared Courtney. Because they found that he was in over $100,000 in debt. And in, as of 2021, that's like $550,000 in now money. That's insane. He also had a history of not being able to hold down a job. In fact, he had 21 different jobs in the 10 years leading up to his son's death. And he was about to be fired from his current job at Texas State Optical because he was suspected of stealing. Hmm. How do you go through that many fucking jobs? I mean, Bobby had a lot of jobs. (laughs) I was going to say, Bobby had a lot of jobs. I know. And it's still does not... How do you do that? I don't know. Be I've had good the- at interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the same job now for 12 years, so I have no clue. Yeah, and up until six years ago, I had a job for every year I was alive, okay? Which means I had more jobs than that guy had. Suspicious, Bobby. <laughs> I- sus. As the boys would say, you are sus. <laughs> I was going to say, I've worked at the same job for seven years or longer. I've had the same one for 12. It's okay, Bobby. I just, I was looking, I was looking for, for my, my calling. Really? It's like in my 34 years, I've had four jobs and they've all been for an extended period of time. And when I met you in my 29 years, I had had 29 or 30 something (laughs) jobs. (laughs) I'm 29 now and I can say I've had three total (laughs) jobs. I don't know, I'm 38, and I, I don't know how many jobs I've actually had. The thing that was crazy about it is I was, my working year started at 15, so in 14 <laughs> years I had had more jobs than years I was alive. <laughs> You're just a free spirit, Bobby, that's I it. I am. <laughs> He's got to flow with the wind. Wherever it takes him, that's where he needs to that's be. That's the cancer nature. Okay. So he was 30. And was only bringing home $150 a week, which barely covered his bills. I'd say so. Which, I mean, this is the 70s, but even still. Not only was he in all this debt, his car was being repossessed. He had defaulted on several bank loans, and the family home had been foreclosed on. Like, so they were getting kicked out, losing their car. So did he have, like, a life insurance policy on his son? We're, I'm about to tell y'all about But what about, about all the other children? That don't make no damn sense. Mm. Yes, okay. it does. Sorry. It makes all the sense. Dude probably just snapped. The police discovered that in the months leading up to Timothy's death, Ronald had taken out multiple life insurance policies on both his children. 
The first was in January of 1974, and he took $10,000 each. The second was in September, so the month before, and he took an additional $20,000 for each child, despite the objections from the insurance agent. They were like, mm, that's weird, dude. Like, Right. Yeah, having a singular $10,000 policy on your child is not weird, nor do I think it's a bad idea. Right. But multiple policies, just upping the amount that you could possibly get if something horrible happens, dude, Yeah. that shit's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. He did not stop there, though. He took another $20,000 on each of them just days before Halloween. It totaled $100,000 combined for, like, if both kids passed away. He would get $100,000. When interviewed, Day, I can't even, I don't even know how to say her name. It's spelled D A Y N E N E. Wait. It's his wife. D. D-A-Y-N-E-N-E. Danan? Danan. That's his wife's name. Danan. She maintained she had no idea that Ronald had life insurance policies on either of their children, which they determined that was true. She had no fucking clue. Because that's a completely unreasonable amount of insurance to have on your child. Yeah. Right. All you need is enough to cover funeral funeral expenses I in have, case of a I catastrophe. Have, I have life insurance on my kid, and it really is just enough if something happened. Yeah, it, all it's intended for is funeral expenses. Yeah. That's all it's intended for with a child policy. Yeah. And I only have it because it came with mine as like a... Mm-hmm. I will say when they, the lady asked me about it, I was like, I don't want to do that. Because it just makes you automatically feel like right. you're doing something doing wrong. something wrong. But then I was like, it makes sense. So I talked myself into it. So to make himself look even more suspicious, Ronald didn't wait any time at all to try to cash in on Timothy's policies. Yeah, like he needed help making himself look more... Right. What an idiot. He filed the claim literally the morning after Timothy died. You're fucking kidding me. Yeah, so less than 24 hours. At least wait until they're in the ground, man. People that knew Ronald thought he was a model citizen and one of the past pastors at the church where because ronald was a deacon of their church uh uh so this pastor told police he was a good christian man and an above average father but obviously that's not true ronald had never cared about halloween before his wife told police like it made no sense because this year he was like I'm taking the kids trick-or-treating. Like, you can stay home and, you know, have a night off. I'm going to take the kids trick-or-treating. He had never done that before. That's sus. Also, 
I think it's safe to say that if you're just a little bit trash, you're probably safe from all of these things that we talk about. What? Well, because everybody's an upstanding citizen, and they're oh. always happy, and they're this. Oh, just be yeah. a little bit of trash in your mind. the story, be trashy. <laughs> be safe, be trashy. Putting that on if a shirt. If you're like a church deacon or a freaking upstanding businessman, honor roll student. Yeah. You're either doing something you shouldn't be, or somebody is doing something something they shouldn't be. Police were focusing solely on Ronald at this point, and on top of everything else they had on him, they learned that he had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to buy cyanide shortly before Halloween. But he didn't actually buy anything, though, because the smallest amount he could get from this place was five pounds, and he didn't need five pounds of cyanide. I mean, he wasn't trying to hide anything at all. He no. was making it very obvious. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, people be dumb. <laughs> they, like, think they're, like, they think they're, this like, will being... never catch up to me. Right. They're being, like, so slick, and no one's going to know. None of these records are ever tracked. Let me leave a breadcrumb trail along the way because I'm just that upstanding of a citizen. They'll never think I did it. Pretty much. That's the mentality a lot of these (laughs) dumb criminals have. Police believed he laced the pixie sticks with cyanide to poison both of his children for the insurance. That was the main goal. They also believed he only gave the other children the pixie sticks to cover up his involvement. So his idea was, I'll poison five children in the neighborhood to not put suspicion on me because my kids died. So it was like, I can't personally just hand my kids these two pixie sticks, but if I give them to five kids and kill five kids in the neighborhood... Yeah, but you didn't cover up your tracks anywhere else. I know. So you would have gotten charged with the murder of five children. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Uh, It's actually like a good thing that they were, the police were so on top of this because it could have been five children. It's a good thing that the the doctor at the hospital could smell cyanide. Yeah. Yeah. He had that genetic trait to be able to smell the almonds. They repeatedly questioned Ronald, but he maintained that he was innocent and even took a poly- polygraph test, which he failed. Of course. Even though they could not figure out where he actually purchased the cyanide, it did not stop them from arresting him on November 5th, 1974 for Timothy's murder. So it only took them from October 31st to November 5th to have a big enough to put all this together about him and be like you did this he was indicted on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder he pleaded not guilty to all five charges no i know like really guy his trial began may 5th 1975 during his trial a chemist who knew ronald testified that he In 1973, Ronald had called him asking about cyanide and how much would be fatal. 
So he had been planning this for a whole year before he actually did it. Even friends and co-workers testified that in the months leading up to Timothy's death, Ronald had an unusual interest in cyanide and would talk about how much you needed to kill someone. Yeah. Dumb. He was so excited about his newfound knowledge that he had to share it with everyone like an idiot. Yeah. His sister-in-law and brother-in-law testified that on the day of the funeral, Ronald talked about using the money from Timothy's insurance policy to go on a long vacation and how he was going to buy some stuff. Like, you're in debt, dude. You're losing your house, your car, your job. And And you're you're standing at your son's funeral. funeral, Talking about all the things you're going to buy and how you're going to take a long vacation. And then you are going to walk in here and plead not guilty. Yeah, no fucking way. No. Timothy's mom testified that he had not chosen to eat the pixie stick. She stated that Ronald forced him to choose that candy. Through all of this, Ronald continued to say he was innocent. Like, when he asked for a piece of candy, he just wanted a piece of chocolate out of his bag and his dad was like, no, you need to eat this pixie stick. That's And so pretty much up. forced him to choose the pixie stick. I don't know how you can do... How can you so nonchalantly and casually fucking poison your own children? How the fuck do you do that? I don't know. I have no idea. His defense mainly focused on the age-old, like, urban legend that involved, like, a mad prisoner who gives out Halloween candy laced with poison or with needles inside or candy with razor blades. They were pretty much trying to claim that a mad person had done this, not their client who was a deacon of his church with the pastor backing him up. Like, they were... Did they have an escapee? (laughs) (laughs) They were just trying to say, like, somebody was reenacting the urban legend and that it wasn't their client. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem for them was there was no documented case of this ever actually happening. It really is like a big urban legend. Yes, it happens, but at this point in time, where they were, it had never happened before. Until, like, Ronald did it. He was the one in their town in Texas that would be the first to use candy to poison a kid on Halloween. The first implying that more have done this since then? In yes. That, a lot of people. Did, in that yeah. town in Texas? Not, I mean, I don't know about that town in Texas. But, but this happened, it happens a lot. It happened recently, I think, at a daycare. Oh, my goodness. Like a couple weeks ago. What the hell? Why? That's why they tell you to check their candy. Well, yeah. No, I assume that. But it's still... This just takes me back to this meme that I saw. Uh, it was Halloween's the only day that parents are like, yeah, go talk to strangers and take the candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is true. It's okay. Go talk to that stranger. Knock right on their fucking door. 
So his trial received national attention and the press dubbed him the Candyman. It only took the jury 46 minutes on June 3rd, 1975 to find Ronald guilty of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. At his sentencing trial, it took 71 minutes for the jury to sentence him to death by electrocution. Good job. Hell yeah. Also, no 45 minutes. Do you know what happened in that trial? Because oh, they just sat there for 45 no, minutes. No, no, no. They have paperwork to fill out prior, which takes almost an hour. And so they filled out the paperwork, and then they all just looked at each other and went, this bitch is guilty. Bye. <laughs> they didn't even, like, talk about it. They were just like, nah, fuck this guy. I mean, that's how I would have been. His wife filed for divorce shortly after his conviction. Good. According to reports, Ronald was shunned by fellow death row inmates for killing his own child. Oh, yeah. He was described as absolutely friendless in prison. No one would speak to him. Reportedly, some inmates hated him so much that they petitioned to be allowed to hold an organized demonstration on Ronald's execution day so that they could express their hatred for them, for him. Like, That's... the prisoners wanted to pretty much scream and yell at him while he was being executed. Did they get to? No. He was set, first set to be executed on August 8th, 1980, but he was given a stay of execution. It was set again for May 25th, 1982, but was postponed again. A judge named Michael McSpaden scheduled his third execution date for October 31st, 1982. This was the eighth anniversary of Timothy's murder. The judge wanted him to be executed so badly on this day that he offered to drive him to the death chamber himself. But again, it was postponed, this time by the Supreme Court, so that Ronald had more time to pursue an appeal for a new trial. Why did he need one? It was cut and clear he did it. Yeah, well, he was denied the appeal. And the fourth date for his execution was set for March 31st, 1984, his lawyer tried to get another stay on the basis that lethal injection is cruel and unusual punishment because at the time, by this point, they had switched from electrocution to lethal injection. And so his lawyer was trying to argue, like, he originally got the electric chair and it's cruel and unusual punishment to do lethal injection, which technically it, it is. is. It is the worst way to be executed. But his lawyer's appeals were denied, and on March 31st, 1984, just after midnight, Ronald was executed by lethal injection at the Huntsville unit. I kind of hope Texas. that the inhumane parts of that lethal injection is what happened to him. Hmm. But now I'm going to tell you what his last meal was. Since Bobby... Ooh. A pixie stick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be fucked up. That would no. be... No. 
That would be fucking <laughs> hilarious. Be and this is why we are trash. <laughs> this is why we're trash, because that would be fucking great. No, he got like a fucking bomb-ass meal. Oh, okay. He got a T-bone steak, cooked medium, french fries with ketchup, whole kernel corn, sweet peas, lettuce and tomato salad with french dressing, iced tea with sweetener, saltine crackers, and a Boston cream pie and rolls. Do you want to know what his last words were, Bobby? Um, wait. See, he's from Texas, so it's not going to be Roll Tide. Um, <laughs> but I expect it to be in the same vein. No. He, wrote, he said a lot of shit. Um, you know, like, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. No, I think that was, like, uh... What's his face? John Wayne Gacy said something like that as he flipped them off. All right. What did he say? Okay. So he said, what is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. Therefore, I would give, I would forgive all who have taken part in my death in any way. Also to anyone I have offended in any way. In my 39 years, I pray and ask your forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. Oh, shut the fuck up. You're not a goddamn martyr. And he said, I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us respectively as human beings. To my loved ones, I extend my undying love to those close to me. Know in your hearts, I love you. You one and all, God bless you all, and may God's best blessing be always yours. Yeah, he's trying to be a fucking martyr. Yeah, what a fucking John List like douchebag. He thinks so much of himself. He's, I bet you that dude's comparing himself to Jesus while he's getting strapped in. Yeah, and if all that fucking garbage wasn't enough, he literally said, "P.S." P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by all the TDC personnel. Literally, this motherfucker said, (laughs) P.S. I am. (laughs) I am in shock. Like, this is just, what a, what a fucking (laughs) douchebag. So a crowd of 300 people gathered outside during his execution. Most of them were yelling trick or treat while others threw candy on anti-death penalty demonstrators. Like it was a big deal. They were throwing candy at the anti-death demonstrators. Good. Yes. That's kind of funny. I'll admit that is kind of funny. And that is where my story (laughs) ends. P.S. My story's over. <laughs> P.S. Be trashy. Stay safe. Um, <laughs> be the people right. throwing the candy. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Leave us five stars. Share it with your friends, your family, coworkers, whoever. It really helps us out. And uh, be trashy. Stay safe. <laughs> stay safe. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 bye.